this week, and then next Sunday, we will begin Sunday evening, begin the camp meeting for the state. So we'll just keep things going right now, and then next Sunday night is be the time when we go to camp meeting. But uh, this, it's going to be a wonderful time, and ladies, you're welcome to go with us to our ladies' service on June the 10th on Tuesday, so you'll, you'll get a flyer about that and know what's going on. But it's wonderful that summer is almost here. It's spring, and now the weather is great, and the gardens are growing, and the things are looking beautiful, and it's a wonderful time to be alive in it and to have this time to come and worship the Lord. So we want to ask all of our visitors to please remain seated, and we were going to ask all of our members and regular attenders to stand at this time all over the building. And those that are seated are our guests today, and we want to welcome them and uh, ask you to uh, turn around when we get ready here. We're going to shake hands and stay in place today because we have a lot to do and we want to, to have plenty of time to worship the Lord. So just turn around and find that person that's still seated, shake hands with them and greet them, and then just don't walk around too much. We're just going to hurry and have a quick welcome. God bless you at this time. Amen. Be seated, I guess, right? My goodness. Uh, what an incredible day this is. What an incredible honor that we have. Just like uh, Miss Liz said this morning, it's kind of a packed day this service is. A beautiful day to recognize uh, some young people that we love, that we are very proud of, and, and also a couple other things that are coming up uh, today. So for the next few moments, if you would with me, Help me to focus on this group right here. Matter of fact, as we do that, can you just clap for them one more time? Our graduates, 2014. Amen. Well, I want to address you for a minute if I can. So just, I want to tell you something. You did it. You probably heard this speech. I remember when I was in high school and in college and graduated by God's grace. 
graduated from those places. I remember that speech that they had. They said, you did it, but you did. You accomplished something tremendous. You're officially today a high school graduate, and you're ready to move on to the next phase, season of your life. But today, we want you to know as a church that we're proud of you. We want you to know as a church that we stand behind you. We want you to know as a church that your life is interwoven with this place and we want to be a part not only of your yesterday and your today but also your future and what God has and that we're proud of you and today we worship the Lord and we honor him but it's about you we honor you today and we appreciate you so with that being said um, Missy are we ready let's uh, let's uh, begin really really quickly today Robin Danielle Abner Robin is the daughter of Todd and Angie Abner, and she is a homeschool graduate here at Stratford Heights Church of God. Robin has been involved in Oasis Youth Church, the Relentless Drama Team, Oasis Youth Council, and the Sanctuary Media Ministry Team. Robin's future plans are to pursue music with singing and songwriting and to pursue graphic design Miss Robin Danielle Abner. Adara Cheyenne Baldwin. She is, Adara is the daughter of Andre and Rebecca Tran and Shane and Janice Baldwin. She is a homeschool graduate. While in high school, Adara's academic achievements include a member of the National Honor Society Eagle Pride Award for being an excellent student, honor roll, post-secondary educational opportunity, Ohio Business Week Chief Marketing Officer Award, prom committee, and the Spanish Club. Here at Stratford Heights, Adair has been involved in Oasis Youth Church, Relentless Drama Team, the Redemption Youth Choir, Grace and Gratitude, and volunteering with various ministries here at church. Also, Youth Camp and Exaltation Choir. Her future plans are to attend the University of Cincinnati to study business, and Adara plans to do marketing management, Miss Adara Cheyenne Baldwin. Raven Dakota Baldwin. Raven is the daughter of Andre and Rebecca Tran and Shane and Janice Baldwin. She's a graduate of Middletown High School. Raven's academic achievements and special honors include President's Education Award and Recognition of Outstanding Academic Achievement and the GPA Award. While in high school, Raven was involved in the chess club, thespian stage crew, helping others with disabilities learn braille, children's reading program, and the softball team manager. Here at Stratford Heights, Raven has been involved in Grace and Gratitude, visitation team for our sick and shut-ins, and our nursery ministry. Raven's future plans are to attend Miami University and pursue a degree in social work. Hold on a second. Hold on one second. Almost. We also wanted to share that Raven has kept a good GPA and a positive attitude throughout school despite her many, uh, or despite many challenges, I should say. She has had seven knee surgeries, two hip surgeries, three spinal surgeries, one surgery leaving her paralyzed and in the hospital for two months. Her epilepsy has made her forget information that she learned and she would have to learn it all over again. But regardless of the many obstacles that have come her way, Raven worked very hard and did not let any of it stop her. 
Her determination and beautiful smile is an inspiration to everyone. Miss Raven Dakota Baldwin. Kyle Frederick Boyer, son of Fred and Elaine Boyer, is a graduate of Valley View High School. While in high school, he was involved in football and track. Here at Stratford Heights, Kyle has been involved in Oasis Youth Church, drummer for Altered Praise Team, Relentless Drama Team, and the Oasis Youth Council. His future plans are to study criminal justice at Miami University, Mr. Kyle Frederick Boyer. Lily Abigail Birchwell. Lily is the daughter of James and Sandra Birchwell. She's a graduate of Monroe High School. Lily's academic achievements and special honors include honor roll for four years, presidential scholarship award, principal's award, and was awarded a dean's scholarship. While in school, Lily was involved in thespians, school plays, junior class treasurer, prom committee, mentor to fifth grade students, that must have been hard, leadership training candidate, and student athletic trainer for four years. Here at Stratford Heights, Lily has been involved in Altered Praise Team, Relentless Drama Team, Redemption Youth Choir, and Southern Ohio Youth Camp. Her future plans are to major in childhood education at Lee University this fall, Miss Lily Abigail Birdswell. Samantha Eileen Corcoran. She is the daughter of TJ and Susan Nation. She's a graduate of Carlisle High School. While in high school, Sammy was involved in soccer, track, varsity letter in both sports her sophomore year, and was a member of the yearbook staff. At Stratford Heights, she's been involved in Oasis Youth Ministry, Relentless Drama Team, Redemption Youth Choir, and the nursery staff for Celebrate Recovery. Her future plans are to attend Miami University of Middletown until her passion comes to her. Then she will pursue that passion at Lee University. Miss Samantha Eileen Corcoran. Michaela Rochelle Gillum. She's the daughter of Jennifer Atkins and Tim Gillum. She's a graduate of Ohio Virtual Academy. And Michaela's academic achievements and special honors include high honor roll, doing the post-secondary educational opportunity uh, at, while, while doing the post-secondary educational opportunity at Miami University of Middletown, Stratford Heights. Michaela's involved in Oasis. She's also involved in the hospitality of Oasis ministry, Oasis registration table, women's encounter team, a children's leader at Celebration Celebrate Recovery. Michaela's future plans are to pursue a career as a child life specialist, Miss Michaela Rochelle Gillum. Oh, I skipped one. Okay, my apologies. All right, Taylor Michelle Crow. She will forgive me because we're friends. Taylor is the daughter of Tim and Melody Crow, and she's a graduate of Franklin High School, Wildcats. 
Taylor's academic achievements and special honors include National Honor Society, graduating with high honors. While in high school, Taylor was involved in symphonic choir, show choir, the a cappella group, girls ensemble, and the school musicals, including the lead role of Dorothy in The Wizard of Oz and Belle in The Beauty and the Beast. Taylor's future plans are to major in business marketing and communications at Wright State University. Ms. Taylor Michelle Crow. Deborah Gonzalez. She is the daughter of Raphael and Maria Gonzalez, and she is a graduate of Franklin Middletown High School. Debbie's academic achievements and special honors include graduating cum laude. I can't even spell that, so that's a great achievement, I'm sure. Honors diploma, honor roll, president's award of excellence, and the Dorothy and Gladys Radabo Memorial Secretary Training Award. While in high school, Debbie participated in the Superintendent Student Advisory Council, French Club, and the 2014 Nerf War. Here at Stratford Heights, Debbie is involved in Oasis Youth Church, Relentless Drama Team, Redemption Youth Choir, Oasis Youth Council, Oasis Hospitality Group, Oasis Disciple Pro Discipleship Program, Youth Encounter, Freedom Court Outreach, Nursery Ministry, Easter Musical Cast and Crew, and Esperanza Ministry. Debbie's future plans are to follow wherever God leads her, Miss Deborah Gonzalez. Austin Christopher Gordon. He is the son of Amy Patton and grandson of John and Sheila McKinney, and he is a graduate of Middletown High School. He, his involvements in school were cheerleading and dance. What does that say? No, I'm just kidding. I'm just playing. Here at Stratford Heights, Austin has been involved in Oasis Youth Church, Relentless Drama Team, Redemption Youth Choir, Oasis Discipleship Program, a church usher, and the Celebrate Recovery Youth Praise Team. Austin's future plans are to pursue a career in working with heavy equipment. Mr. Austin Christopher Gordon. Bradston Gage Hardesty. Gage is the son of Bob and Elaine Hardesty, and he's a graduate of Madison High School. While in high school, Gage was involved in baseball, basketball, golf, marching band, concert band, jazz band, pet band, steel drum band. Here at Stratford Heights, Gage has been involved in Oasis Youth Church and often attended uh, youth camp. Gage's future plans are to pursue a certification through Butler Tech for precision machining. Then he plans to attend MMI in Florida to further his career in working on dirt bikes. Mr. Bradston Gage Hardesty. <laughs> Jessica Grace Hicks. Excuse me. Jessica is the daughter of Thomas and Deborah Hicks, and she is a graduate of Middletown High School. Her academic achievements include national qualifier and silver medalist at the FCC LA Star Competition. While in high school, she participated in French Club, Science Club, Painting, and Pottery Club. Here at Stratford Heights, she's been involved in Oasis Youth Church, the Relentless Drama Team, Redemption Youth Choir. She's not yet decided on her future plans. Uh, Miss Jessica Grace Hicks. Right. 
Mariah Jordan Lee. Mariah is the daughter of Jay and Samantha Lee, and she is a graduate of Carlisle High School. Mariah's academic achievements and special honors include student body president, National Honor Society, Sportsmanship Award, Homecoming Queen, let me catch my breath, Carlisle Education, Recognition Association, and a Principal Scholar Athlete. While in high school, Mariah was involved in student government, business manager of the yearbook staff, varsity football and basketball cheerleading, competition cheerleading, and the drama club. Here at Stratford Heights, Mariah has been involved in Oasis Youth Church, Vacation Bible School, Missionettes, and Junior Talent. Future plans are to attend Miami University of Middletown to study accounting. Miss Mariah Jordan Lee. Taylor Elizabeth Loniker. With the best hat there is. She's the daughter of Joe and April Loniker. She's a graduate of Middletown High School. Her academic achievements include President's Academic Achievement Award. While in high school, she participated. She played the flute for marching band, pep band, wind ensemble, and concert band. She was also involved in Nerd Club, which is an acronym, I'm told. Senior Sidekicks, People Program, and Track. Here at Stratford Heights, she's been involved in the Exaltation Orchestra. Her future plans are to attend Miami University to study wildlife management or veterinary medicine. Miss Taylor Elizabeth Loniker. <laughs> Billy Edward Noose. Big Bill, as he likes to be called, is the son of Dave and Missy Anderson and Barry News. He is a graduate of Lebanon High School. His academic achievements include the Harmon Civic Trust Award Scholarship. While in high school, Billy was involved in varsity tennis, the founder of Lebanon Above the Influence program, and attended Bridges Leadership Program. At Stratford Heights, Billy has been involved in Oasis Youth Church, Oasis Youth Council, the Youth Council President, Youth Camp, Youth Camp Staff, Oasis Banquet King, Mission Trip to Joplin, Missouri, and a leader in Rock Island Children's Church, which he's missing right now to be out here for us to honor him. But Billy's future plans are to attend Miami University and pursue a degree in secondary education. He also plans to play tennis at Miami University, Mr. Billy Edward Noose. Bradley Allen Reekman. Brad is the son of Jeff and Amy Reekman, is, is a graduate of Middletown Christian High School. His academic achievements and special honors include President's Education Award for Outstanding Academic, academic Excellence. There was excellent and outstanding twice in that. I just didn't know if you noticed that or not. National Honor Society graduated with honors and received an academic scholarship to Wright State University. While in high school, he was involved in the band, soccer, and basketball. Here in Stratford Heights, Brad is an active member of the Oasis Youth Church. He plans to attend Wright State University to pursue a degree in business, Mr. Bradley Allen Riegman. <laughs> Jessica Marie Backstrom. 
She is the daughter of Corey and Tina Backstrom, a graduate of the University of Cincinnati with a degree in biological sciences. Jessica's academic achievements and special honors include University Honors Program and the Choose Ohio First Scholar. Her school activities included president of Alpha Epsilon Delta Pre-Medical Honorary, volunteer in oncology at Cincinnati Children's Hospital. Thank you for that. Research assistant in pulmonary medicine at Cincinnati Children's Hospital. She's a resident advisor for the University of Cincinnati. Jessica's future plans are to attend medical school at the University of Cincinnati College of Medicine, specializing in pediatrics. Miss Jessica Marie Backstrom. Amanda Beth Combs. Amanda is the daughter of Tony and Sue Skiles and Butch Frazee, Frazee and wife of Andrew Combs and mother to Audrey Combs. Amanda graduated from Antioch University Midwest with a bachelor's degree in early childhood education. And here at Stratford Heights, Amanda is the pre-kindergarten Sunday school teacher and is an attendant in our nursery ministry. Her future plans are to pursue her career as a teacher. Mrs. Amanda Combs. Brennan Lowell Kelly. Brennan is the son of Bob and Peggy Kelly, and he's a graduate of Kettering College with a bachelor's in human biology and a master's of physician assistant studies. Brennan's academic achievements include graduated magna cum laude with a GPA of 3.902. Dean's list every semester. I'm sure he put that in here. While in college, Brennan volunteered at the Kettering College 5K Marathon. He participated in raising $14,000 for the Good Neighbor House. Brennan's future plans are to pursue his career as a physician assistant in either the field of emergency medicine, sports medicine, or cardiothoracic surgery. Brennan will be getting married to Katie Yeary this coming August. Mr. Brennan Lowell Kelly. Also, as we begin to move on in the service, help me to recognize and congratulate some others that graduated from high school this year. Ashley Holbrook, Eli Wallace, and David Vest from high school. Help me appreciate them. They're here today. And also, and also one from college is uh, Kathy Johnson. Help me recognize, appreciate her if she's here today. Thank you for honoring our kids. Thank you for allowing this time to appreciate their accomplishments and pour into them. Amen. Amen. Can we just congratulate them one more time? Amen. Amen. It makes me want to sing when I'm in the presence of such smart people. With your majesty here. I fall to my knees 
I love you endlessly with the beauty of your son. I find myself undone. I love you endlessly. Savior of my soul, lover of my life, love you endlessly, passion of my heart, everything you are, I love you endlessly you love me before I knew of you you love me love me now I give it back to you hey with your majesty
with the beauty of your son. Lord, I find myself undone. I love you endlessly. Or would you just tell him that right now? I love you, Lord. I love you, Lord. You can never tell him enough. I love you, Lord.
him this morning we thank him for just all that he's doing with our children just watching our children graduate to him be the glory Lord we thank you we've come to this place to worship you Lord we desire to be in your presence and we're so very thankful because you're here amongst us today Lord have your will in this service Lord in the name of Jesus Lord we honor you amen you may be seated Well, it's been a wonderful day so far of worship and celebration. We're going to continue in that spirit as we prepare to go to the Lord with our giving. I've been privileged this morning by being asked to lead us in a special offering to bless two very special individuals who are near and dear to each one of us here. I say it's a privilege for me personally because when I visited Stratford Heights for the first time, I was forever changed by one of these individuals. And it's an honor for me, and I'm so very thankful to him. For his passion, his sincerity, and his willingness to be real above all. In the book of Samuel, chapter 2, verse 30, God says that he will honor those who honor him. So it's right for us being his body that we would honor individuals who would dedicate their lives and work so diligently doing all they can to honor him with all their abilities and God-given talents. It's right to honor them for the example they set for the rest of us, for the way they motivate and inspire us to grow in our relationship with him. The Bible also teaches us to follow the example of those who follow Christ, to follow the example of those who we can see by their living fruit that they are passionately in love with him, the ones that live serving others and serving him above all. Today we have the privilege of joining together to honor two such individuals, to appreciate them and to celebrate with them for 25 years in his service here at Stratford Heights. Today, as we worship the Lord with our giving, let's also do as he teaches us in 2 Samuel and honor two very special individuals for their service to him for these past 25 years, Gary and Kathy Turner.
Hallelujah. You're definitely well-loved here. And they're definitely a gift from God. But we're not the only ones that want to talk to them today. We have some people down in a little place called Cleveland, Tennessee, that have something that they want to say. Hey, Gary Turner. I've got the Voices of Lee here today. And I couldn't remember if it's your 80th birthday or your 25th anniversary at the church. So I'm going to go with 25th anniversary. Here we are. Two, three. Yeah. Happy anniversary to you. Happy anniversary to you. Happy anniversary, dear Gary. I think what blesses us the most with Gary and Kathy is they're not performers, they're worshipers. And I hadn't seen a true worship leader until I stepped foot in this church. So let's do as God teaches us in 2 Samuel. First and foremost, let's honor God but let's also honor this gift that God's given this church today. Amen? If you would please stand up. We're going to pray blessings over them this morning. We're going to pray for our offering. Let's pray. Lord, we're so very thankful, first and foremost, that you would send people to us that would be worshipers. Lord, they would demonstrate to us their love for you. Lord, people like Gary and Kathy that would inspire us to grow in our relationship with you, Father. Ask that you would continue to give them strength. Lord, that you would continue to encourage them and use them for your glory, Lord, as we all grow closer to you and our worship as a body here. Lord, we pray over this offering today, Lord, that would meet the need of this church, Lord, and also that it would bless this family. Lord, we pray bless blessings over them, their children, their grandchildren, Lord, that may your presence walk with them and be with them always as they serve you in these last days. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray and we thank you again. Amen. It doesn't feel like it has been 25 years, although I probably look like it's been 25 years. I have friends that say, I can't believe you've been there so long. And I said, well, you just need to come and meet the people that I work with and work around and see how well they treat me and how they bless me. All the wonderful singers and musicians that we have that work so hard and just do ridiculous things that we ask them to do and just make pull it off and smile and love the Lord and have become worshipers and not performers. 
I was telling the story to Pastor about a week ago. Peggy, her dad, G.W. Lane, he dedicated me as a child. And he was the first guy I ever saw work under an anointing. And I remember as a young child, I remember him singing the old ship of Zion and how God would come on him and move on him. And from that very time, I've had the desire, God, I just don't want to be a singer. I want to be whatever that is that I see in my grandfather, that I see in G.W. Lane, that I see in my dad. I want to be that kind of person, that kind of worshiper. Because I would watch my dad just get totally out of control in worship. I watched him one night in a, in a foot washing sermon or service. He got to shouting and got to worshiping the Lord, and the next thing I knew, he was sitting in the foot washing pan. It didn't bother him. He praised the Lord all the way down the hall and all the way back. Lord, we love you this morning. And we give you credit. You are the great I am, Let your glory fill this place. Let your glory fill this place. Let your glory fill this place. Mighty God, come and fill your holy temple consuming fire fall let your glory fill this place mighty God would you just sing it with me let your glory fill this place let your glory fill this place let your glory fill this place, mighty God. Come and fill us, Lord. Come and fill your holy temple. Consuming fire fall. Let your glory fill this place, mighty God. In your presence, Lord. There is joy. There is joy. Oh, you pray. 
Let's do that. Can we just put our hands together and praise the Lord? We've stood to our feet a lot today, but let's honor Him. Can we stand up, maybe lift our voice, clap our hands, raise our hands, and give God praise? Thank God for Gary and Kathy, these kids. Thank God for our blessings. Oh, thank you for the mercies that are new every morning we woke up with today. Amen. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. We worship Him. We worship Him this morning. Amen. As you're standing, I want you to go with me to 1 Samuel chapter 14 today. The pastor is on a preaching assignment today. And, uh, well, I just like I said the, to the early morning service, the pastor got younger and better looking today. Just kidding. Just kidding. No, he's on a preaching assignment today and asked me to share in the service, the services today. It's an honor to share the Word of God. Amen. The Word of God is living and active, sacred, something that we should take and treat with such reverence, and, and I'm, I'm, I treat it like that and spent much time in prayer this morning seeking the Lord for what He may speak. Go with me, 1 Samuel, 1 Samuel chapter 14, verse 1. It says, one day, say that with me, say one day, Jonathan Son of Saul said to the young man bearing his armor, Come, let's go over to the Philistine outpost on the other side. But he did not tell his father. I want you just for the message's sake to verse down to verse, or go down to verse 6 with me. It says, Jonathan said to his young armor bearer, Come, let's go over to the outpost of those uncircumcised fellows. Perhaps the Lord will act in our behalf, for nothing can hinder the Lord from saving, whether by many or by few. Do all that you have in mind, his armor bearer said. Go ahead. I am with you, heart and soul. Jonathan said, Come then. We will cross over toward the men and let them see us. If they say to us, Wait there until we come to you, we will, we will stay where we are and not go up to them. But if they say, Come up to us, we will climb up because that will be our sign. Note, that will be our sign that the Lord has given them into our hands. So both of them showed themselves to the Philistine outpost. Look, said the Philistines. The Hebrews are crawling out of their holes that they were hiding in. And the men of the outpost shouted to Jonathan and his armor bearer, Come up to us and we will teach you a lesson. So Jonathan said to his armor bearer, Climb up after me. The Lord has given them into the hand of Israel. Jonathan climbed up using his hands and feet with his armor bearer right behind them, him. And the Philistines fell before Jonathan, and his armor-bearer followed and killed behind him. In that first attack, Jonathan and his armor-bearer killed some 20 men in an area of about a half 
an acre. I want to speak to you this, uh, this morning on one sacred moment. One sacred moment. Pray with me. Father, thank you. We thank you. What else can we say but to give thanks this morning for our blessings? Lord, you're holy. You're righteous. You're wonderful. You're merciful. And God, we desire to dine with you this morning. God, we desire for your counsel this morning. We desire, God, for, for your presence. We desire for your word, God. We desire for your love, your, your touch, God. That's what we desire this morning. We covet the most this morning is you. So, Father, we ask, as, as we know you're here already, that you might make us aware, that you might make us hungry, that you might push us, God, to the place where we hear from you for the first time, for some of us in a long time. God, you might push us to the place where we experience you for the first time in a long time. You might bring us to the place, God, where, where Father, you, you, we talk to you, Lord. We, we spend time with you, Lord. Lord, we love you. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You can be seated this morning. I know that it, it wouldn't, we could go on and on. I know in a, a setting like this, Many men and women of God that are here this morning, we could sit up here and I know it's easy to preach about how lost our world is. And it's true. There's so much in our world, the, the decay of our morals and the decay of all of the things and the, the, the foundation of the Word of God that it feels like we've, we've pushed away or we've, we've lost and we've, we've went in a different direction, our country and our nation and our families. And we could do that and spend a lot of time on that and we could be uh, right in, in that. We could not be in a place where we'd be in error in saying those things. But I want to speak tonight on just the attitude. I want to speak how important, Caleb, it is when, and how uh, powerful the shift is when our attitude changes and our outlook changes. Because I believe with all of my heart that for some of us and the situations that we're going through and the life that we're living, we've lost the meaning of the word sacred. We don't understand what it means and we don't understand where it applies. That, that everything and some things that God has established as sacred have become just, become just commonplace. They've become just average. They've just become a part of life and they're not viewed and not treated. And the attitude and the, the, the viewpoint that we have towards those things, they're not viewed as sacred but just common. It's cool. We, we go to a wedding and we say that's cool. And somebody has a baby and we say that's cool. And somebody graduates high school or graduates college and goes into the rest of their life and career and purpose and destiny and plan and all of those things. And we say cool and we shake hands and we pat them on the back and we go home and they're left with the crying baby staying up all night thank God I'm out of those days amen can sleep through the night nowadays praying for Brandon Dooley and Ashley who just had a baby by the way you guys we can clap for them can we do that she's had a beautiful young 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 girl but all of those things we view those things just a part of life right it's just commonplace no that's sacred did you know in the Bible when you get married, the, the, when a man finds a wife that he desires and that he's pleased with, the scripture says in Old Testament, I should say, not now, but in the Old Testament that for a year they didn't work. 
For a year, there was no labor. For a year, they basically, you know, had, had no uh, burdens or anything placed on them. Now, don't miss this. The reason it says that they had a year off was so that they could please their wife, so that they could make that marriage pleasing to their wife. It was, it was equal work. And, and then you, you see in the Bible, when in the Old Testament, even when a baby was born, as soon as a woman was ceremonially clean, as soon as she was ready to, to come into the temple, not sometime after, but as soon as she was ready, at about 40 days, is what we see. You see it in the New Testament. Mary did it with Jesus and Joseph. They brought Jesus to the temple and dedicated him after 40 days. Not sometime after she was ready, but as soon as she was ceremonially clean, you were to present the baby in the temple with the sacrifice. Even as we look at old, you can look in different uh, Judaism different type of teachings and how they would teach kids about the Torah back in the Old Testament times. You can look this up and find this. There was a celebration after they would reach each level. It was sacred. It was, it was something the Bible tells us is, is not just any old thing. It's not just a time to get together and celebrate. It's not just a time to pat on the back, but it's a sacred moment. It's a, a moment where God wants to invade that. It's a moment that God established so that we not, would not depend upon our own wisdom. So that we wouldn't enter into these things saying, well, I can do this. We wouldn't take the place and try to get in an area in those sacred moments where we would lose our sight of God and we would lose our dependence upon God and we would lose our need for Him or at least lose sight of it in our attitude. We wouldn't view it as sacred and we would view it as common. God says all of those things. I even believe in the Old Testament law so that we would come to Him in humility recognizing, God, I need you. When I get married... For this year, in the Old Testament law, I'm off so that I can please my wife and so that our marriage can come together because, God, we need you and we need your help. We need your strength. It's a sacred time when I have a baby and, and that happens. We bring them to the temple. At, in Old Testament law, how that happened, we bring them there because, God, we need you. And we don't just come to bring them there so that you can raise them or the church can raise them. And we forget about raising them and in the home of godly things. No, we bring a sacrifice, something that cost us also. And we devote them to God. It's a sacred thing. When they graduate college, it's a, it's a moment where your, your path that's been going this way, all of a sudden things change. And you're no longer, are you waking up at 7 o'clock to go to school and tweet and hang out with your, or your friends and Snapchat and all those things? Now you have to get up and go to college. Some of us, like Austin, we get to get up and work with heavy machinery. We move into a, a next phase of our life. It's a sacred moment. It's a holy moment. It's not a, a common thing what you're in today what you're experiencing and what you've accomplished. It's not something that just says, well, now I move on with life. No, this is a sacred, holy moment to be treated as such. We've lost that sense of that. We've lost the meaning of sacred. We've, our attitudes have become so common towards many things, and not just situations like marriage and baby birth and graduations, but also whatever situation you're going through today. Wherever you happen to be this morning, Whatever you, you, wherever the journey of your life and, and the battle that you're in today, you may not realize it, but really it's a moment where God wants to invade your situation and bring glory and honor to Him. 
It's a moment that if we turn our direction towards Him, we turn our devotion towards Him, we turn our attitude, just a, a small shift, not a big shift. Maybe for some of us it's a big shift, but, but normally it's just a small shift of, okay, God, this is a, a moment that, that I could treat as, oh, this is just life and this just happens, or this is a moment, God, that I know you're going to move, and this is a moment where I know you're going to invade where I'm at and get glory for yourself. It's a sacred moment. It's a moment, when I say sacred, where God wants to invade it and, and make it holy. God wants to invade it and get glory for himself. God wants to see you dependent upon him. God wants to see you hungry for him. God wants to bring, just like we bring our children to God, to bring your situation to him and say, God, I can't do anything with this. I need you to move. I got a situation right now in my family. Not me and my wife, so don't worry about it, okay? You pray for her more than you pray for me, but you pray for us, obviously. But I have a situation in my family that everything I say, Mike, and everything I do, it just gets worse. I pray and feel like I should do something, and I do something, and it just explodes. And for two and three days, you can ask my wife, I'm sick. I still eat, though. I'm sorry. I, I'm not that sick. Still hungry. But I don't sleep very good. I'm just heartsick. I'm broken. And I, I was in the car driving just, just yesterday up here. And I said, God, everything I say doesn't work. Everything I do doesn't work. So what do you want me to do? What can I do? And he said, pray. <laughs> Did you hear that? He said, pray. You said, oh, that's simple. It's common. Well, you know what that is? When we pray, God gets to work on our behalf. God begins to move. God begins to do something. And you know what? I just felt the presence of the Lord as I was driving. And I said, well, that's what I'm going to do. I'm not going to say anything else. I'm not going to do anything else but pray. And I'm going to give it to God and let God move. Amen? There's some of us, we don't realize the situation we're in. We're striving and striving and striving. And we don't realize that God is going to get glory and God wants to work. And we're in situations like these young people are here today that, that maybe feel the pressures that are all around them. But it's really a sacred moment. It's really a moment that if we devote and dedicate it to God, God can move and get glory for it. I want you to go with me back to this story of Jonathan as I bring up Jonathan. Jonathan, if you know anything about the scriptures and you spend time in the scriptures, was the son of Saul, the first king of Israel. And we pick up this story with Jonathan. Chances are, as we look, and most scholars tell us that Jonathan at this particular time couldn't have been much more, if, if, if possible. He may have been in his early 20s, but chances are maybe even in his late teens, still a college-age student. And here, we pick up this story of Jonathan where he is in a, in a basically a field and they have been in a battle with the Philistines. And the battle has been constant. The battle has not just, they, they fight. You may read in the Bible, I feel like they're fighting all the time. It's like, my, it's like uh, anyway, I'm going to leave that alone. You know, they're just fighting all the time. And here they are, they're in the midst of a battle. And Jonathan had just experienced one of the most heartbreaking situations that you can experience. He just was first witness, eyewitness to the failure of his father. If you read in 1 Samuel chapter 13, you read that his father, King Saul, right, the king, the all-powerful king, got into a situation where he treated something that was sacred as if it was common. And he offered a sacrifice that he was not authorized to, to offer. 
got into that situation and the prophet of God, Samuel, showed up and recognized what Saul had done. And he rebuked Saul and he said this, he was so angry and the Lord was so angry at what had happened that he pulled the kingdom away from Saul that day and said there's another that I'm going to give this kingdom to. Jonathan had been front row view to see his father fail. Has anybody been there before? Has anybody been through that experience where at least in, in the most part that we know about Jonathan, he, he gave his own life at the end with his father. I know that he looked up to his father and honored his father, if nothing else, the office of his father. And, and we see that his hero failed him. We see that his hero had just been rebuked publicly, really. And all that he was standing for and the power that he had was yanked from him by God because he had treated a, a, a sacred moment as if it was common. And here's Jonathan, probably a, a college age or whatever it is, maybe even a teenager, I don't know for sure. Here he is seeing that. And you can understand a young person when they see the failures of their parents and those that they look up to, they feel that burden even heavier than we do, somebody. When our kids see us like that, they carry that weight along with us, and for them it's even heavier. Here he is carrying that weight of seeing his father, seeing the failure of his father, and He's kicking rocks out there with his armor bearer, and that's heavy on his heart. And then something happens. Also, that you read about in 1 Samuel 13, the Bible says that Saul and, and his son Jonathan and the 600 fighting men that were there, but something was weird about this war, this battle that they were in. The war, the battle that they were in, the, the, the 600 men that were fighting for Israel were unarmed. The scripture tells us that only Saul and Jonathan had a spear and a sword. And the other 600 men, the, the scripture says that the enemy had reached into the region, the Philistines had reached into the region and removed all of the blacksmiths. Go with me for a minute, I promise I'm going somewhere that can apply to your life. They removed all of the blacksmiths so that, that a, a spear or a sword could not be uh, concocted. It could not be uh, welded. It couldn't be brought together. And they couldn't have any weapons to fight against the Philistines. And even so much so were they trying to keep them down by taking away their weapons that, that they would, the only things they would let them have was basically farming equipment. And they would even charge them to sharpen their sickles and their axes. We see that the Philistines had a plan to remove the weapons, to remove the sword in the men of God's hand. So here we see Jonathan suffering with the failure of his father, and he looks out at an army that's unarmed. And he's facing a Philistine. The Bible says that an outpost that they were sending out raiding parties all over, which had just been coming in and ravishing and, and just destroying and doing all that they could to, to take out the people of Israel and take their will and to make sure that they were subjected under their feet. And here's Jonathan, this young man, kicking rocks and just feeling like this is probably the worst moment ever. Can I tell you something that just hit me right here? Isn't that what the enemy wants to do? Doesn't the enemy want to take our weapons out of our hands? Doesn't he want to take the men and women of God that are being raised up and the men and women of God that are here today? Doesn't he want to take them and, and remove their weapons of warfare? Doesn't he want those to just be in the leader's hands? I'm going to tell you today, it, it's, a, it's a weak church, not this church, but it's a weak church when only the leaders 
read their word. It's a weak church when only the leaders are the ones that are in prayer. It's a weak movement. It's a weak ministry when only the leaders are the ones doing you know, the spiritual acts, we, we, we pay our pastors and we do that. I had one guy one time, he came to me at our church uh, that I had been at before, a church I had been at, and, and uh, I had told him, he asked me and sat me down and wanted to talk to me about all of the struggles that his kids were going through and that were happening in the home. And I just, I was thinking in my head, he doesn't want to hear what I'm going to say. He doesn't want to hear what I want to say. And so, sure enough, it came to a moment where he let me talk and I just said, Lord, just lead me, guide me, help me to say this in a way that's beneficial, that's fruitful to his hearing. And I asked him, I said, have you prayed with your family? Have you ever had a devotion together? Have you ever spent any time outside of church living for God and being godly and applying those things and he said, well, you know, you know, he, he, you know, he changed the subject and never did it. And, and again, he came in and wanted to talk to me, and I had the same, same answer. And it was obvious that he had never actually brought it into his home. He wanted the leaders, and he wanted me to go and somehow whisk uh, his boys, you know, into submission and somehow whisk his boys into a good attitude and somehow bring the fear of God on them. And I tried my best many times to pray for them. But what would happen is they would come to an experience like this, a sacred moment like this, and they would go home and not realize that home is just as sacred as here. They would, they would think that they'd come to a sacred place and they'd go home and it was just common. So they'd slide right back into what's always been and their father, the leader, and all of those types of things of their home. He never established those things. And, and one time he he even told me, he said, well, we pay you to do that. We pay you to speak into these teenagers' lives. And I, I say this to say I'm not being mean or rude or anything like that, but, but that is not an army. <laughs> That's not a victorious, blood-bought, spirit-filled, promise-believing, promise-standing-on church. And here's Jonathan experiencing that. And I want you to look back at Saul here. Saul is in a place where many of us are in even here today. Saul, the Bible says, when we look back at his failure, when we look back at what he had done, the Scripture says that, that, that his men were becoming afraid. Here's the leader, and all of the men that he's supposed to be leading were, were afraid, and he was stressing out, I'm sure. He was the man. Everybody was looking to him for what he's supposed to do. Everybody's looking to the graduates. What are you going to do next? And everybody's looking at the parents and the, the married couples and, and all of that after they get married, and we're looking to your situation. What are you going to do next? Many of us right now are feeling that pressure. Many of us are feeling that stress. Many of us are feeling that vice that's on us, and, and, and Saul did something that we have to be careful not to do. Saul leaned to his own understanding. Saul tried to operate in his own strength, what the scripture calls the arm of the flesh, and, and did not give it to God, and did not seek God, and did not do it God's way, and because he didn't do it God's way, the blessing that God wanted to bring on him, he did not experience. Matter of fact, the blessings that God had promised him and already set forth in his life were taken from him, the kingdom of God. I want to hear somebody to hear me today that you're in situations right now where your attitude needs to shift. And you need to realize that this is a sacred opportunity and I cannot depend upon my own wisdom. 
I cannot just depend upon my degrees and I cannot just depend upon my classroom etiquette and I cannot just depend upon all of the things that I've accomplished in high school. Right now, this moment in college, right now in this moment, in this opportunity, I know I begin something new and I want God to be at the forefront of this. I want God to be the author of this. I'm going to wait on God until God comes. I'm not going to step into my own strength. I'm not going to try and do this. If God tells me not to do it, I don't care how I feel. I don't care if, if, if I'm, I'm struck with emotion and feelings here or there. I'm not going to move and I'm not going to do one thing until God comes and tells me to move and do something for Him. I'm going to wait upon the Lord. Amen? So here's Jonathan in that spot. You'd think he'd be discouraged. You'd think he would be in a place where he would just retreat and go back and sit in his lazy boy and eat peanuts and Diet Coke with lime, right? He'd go and watch the Bengals and just check out and say, this situation is too stressful for me, so I'm just going to go back and watch the Reds on TV or whatever it is I need to do to unwind and get away from this and, and just try and act like it's not there. No, he didn't do that. Matter of fact, he recognized that this was an opportunity. And he stepped out from where he was and he made something happen in God's power. This is a story that if you've heard before, uh, it's always kind of blew my mind because Jonathan was not in charge. His dad was the king. He wasn't even a lieutenant or, or general or whatever in the army. The scripture says that he went and did this on his own. He didn't seek any advice. He kind of got things out of order even. Some of us need to hear that. That just hits me right there. Some of us, we, we don't want to get out of order, so we don't step out. We don't want to ruffle anything up. We don't want to mess anything up, so we never step forward into what God wants for us. We never take the opportunities that God has for us because we're worried about what everybody else thinks and all of these types of things. You can do something. Can I tell you today, you can do something godly in a godly way. You can do something for God in, in a godly way, in a godly manner. But you look at what Jonathan did here as he just got his armor bearer together and said, let's go and do something. You may look at it and say, I'm not sure what got into Jonathan. Maybe he was just young and naive. Or maybe it was a bold, calculated move by a mighty man of God. I don't really know what got into Jonathan that day. Maybe his motivation was wrong. Maybe he got out of order, got out of line. For people's standards, I'm not real sure. But I kind of like to think that he was just tired of waiting. I kind of like to think that he was tired of talking about what God could do. He was tired of hearing people speak of what God might do. He was even tired of, of hearing not about what God had done in the sense that we didn't glean from that testimony, but he was tired of just hearing about what God had done. He wanted to see God do something now he was ready for God to move right then he took and realized that this was one sacred opportunity this was one holy opportunity that he needed to take advantage of you think he'd be discouraged you think he'd be down and out but instead he turned that around and realized that this was the greatest moment of his life 
This was the greatest opportunity for breakthrough that he'd ever seen. This was the greatest opportunity to see God invade his situation and help his people. This was the greatest opportunity that he'd ever been a part of. His attitude changed. It went from discouraged and down and out to not knowing what I was going to do to saying, you know what, God, I'm moving out and I'm moving forward in what you want me to do. Listen to what verse 6 says about this. It's interesting to me. It says, Jonathan said to his young armor bearer, come, let's go over to the outpost of these uncircumcised fellows. Perhaps the Lord will act in our behalf. Nothing can hinder the Lord from saving, whether by many or by few. Some of us say, well, we have to act in complete and total faith, and we do. But you just, sometimes you just need to, to act. Sometimes you just need to move. Sometimes you just got to stop waiting and and asking questions and hoping that something, or wishing, I should say, not hoping, but wishing that something will change or wishing that something will happen in your life to direct you and to lead you and guide you. We have to move out of that place of kicking rocks out in the field for days and sometimes for weeks in discouragement and sometimes for years and sometimes even decades and realize that this is an opportunity that God has been preparing you for. This is an opportunity in a day where God wants to put his hand upon you and he wants to to take you to the top of that mountain and every enemy and every devil that tries to come against you, you slay with the power of the sword of the Spirit with God's power and God's strength. This is that day. This is that one day where some of us, I feel the Lord now, this is that one day where some of us have been waiting on for a long time. This is that one day where we've been sitting around discouraged and we've been sitting around waiting and we've been sitting around talking. But, but one day he got tired of all that and he got ready to see God move in his life. He got ready to see God perform the miraculous. He got ready to see God do something that he couldn't do on his own as he looked at this feeble army. As he looked at this army unprepared, he said, you know what? If God is for us, I know that this isn't the quote, but this is the scripture. If God be for us, then who can be against us? He realized that I'm sure he heard the old stories of the prophets, or at least the prophets that were to come. And Elijah, we know that his eyes probably were open. I don't know. It could not have been a great faith move. It probably wasn't a, a TBN spiritual type experience or a camp meeting spiritual experience. It may have just been a rash kid that was tired. And wanted to see God do something. I don't know. Could not have been super spiritual. But he was ready. Heaven. He was ready for God to move. And he wanted God to move because he was tired of where he was. I can't sit here another day and watch my dad flounder around. Hoping that God does something and not believing God to do it. And trusting him by obeying him. Can't wait here another day. I'm tired of this place I'm in. One sacred moment can change everything. One holy moment that you realize the Lord wants to invade. He transformed you, transformed the people around you, and transformed the people around them, and transformed the people around them. Somebody help me transform the people around them. And before you know it, a, a nation that's lost its way finds its way back to the Lord. Before you know it, a family, somebody needs to help me right there. I, I, th this morning, I didn't like help right there either. A nation that's lost its way will find its way again. When Jonathan went up there and slayed all those and his armor bearer did that, you know what happened? 
the people of Israel got courage. They got tired of sitting under the palm tree. And they stood up and they said, I see God moving and I see God working through a young man that was tired. And they got up and they chased all those Philistines out of there. The fight was on. They got the victory. And they won that battle that day. His people won because he was tired. And he wanted to see God move. Stand your feet with me today. Oh, this was an, an opportunity for heaven to invade his hopeless situation. If you'd have looked at it, it was totally hopeless without God. He could have turned to the bottle. There was no hope there, only destruction and despair. Could have turned to the club. There was nothing there but hopelessness. Instead, he was changed. His heart saw something different. His mind saw something different. This opportunity that he had. This was no time for him to lean on his own understanding. It was instead time to commit and give everything over to God and to make a move. Bow your heads, close your eyes with me tonight or this morning. Brother Tool. So many men and women of God that are here today that have fought the battles, felt God's victory. I'm going to ask you to do something this morning that the pastor doesn't normally do. It's not anything weird, I promise you. You can trust me. But there's somebody in here that needs to move. <laughs> there's somebody in here that's under that tree and they're discouraged. Failure of those they love, the despair and hopelessness of the situation that they're in has got them kicking rocks out in that field, sitting there. And today is the day that they need to move. You may not have all the answers. You may not know how it's going to come. You may not know how it's going to be fixed. But today is the day you move. I want you. I'm, I'm going to do this. I don't even do this in the youth group normally. But this is just where my heart is today. I want to count. I'm going to just count to three, not to be hokey or weird. But I feel like there's something that's going to break. Because there's some of us that have been years in despair. There's some of us that have been years stuck and broken and seeking. But they've never moved. They've never actually stepped out into what God says to do. That moment is today. That sacred opportunity is, is right now. If you know that God is speaking to you, and I'm going to pray. I know that we want to get people saved this morning. I want to do that too. But if you know that God is speaking to you and you know you need to move, I'm going to count to three. One, two, three. I want you to move out of your seat and come and meet me in this altar right here. God, invade my situation, God. Don't wait for anybody else, but God, invade my situation, Lord, right now. Move, Lord. I'm moving towards you, God. Scripture says if I'll draw near to you, God, you'll draw near to me. This isn't an embarrassing moment. This is a breakthrough moment. Somebody clap right now. Just clap. This is a breakthrough moment.
This is every step you step right out of there. You get more and more free. You get more and more delivered. You feel the presence of God. Some preachers help me today and some leaders help me right now come and pray and lay hands on people today. Oh God, I'm moving, Lord. I'm moving towards you this sacred moment. As they pray, some leaders lay hands and pray for these that are here today. I want every head bowed, every eye closed that's out there today. And I want you today, you know that your life is off track. You know that it's not where it needs to be. And you know it needs to get back on track. You need to get back on track with the Lord. You need to get back on track with His desires and His plans for you. I want you to lift your hand up right where you are. Lift your hand. Thank you very much. See that hand. Every head bowed, every eye closed. You know that you need to get it back right. You need to, to click back into God's will, God's favor. Thank you. See that hand. Two hands. There's more in here today. I can feel that in my heart. It's not for me to see to embarrass you. Never do that. It's just a recognition. Humble recognition of, of our need for God today. These two people are valuable to God. God says when one gets lost, they, they run to find that one. So I know that these two are valuable. So those that are here, those that are out here, I want you to pray with me. Say, Lord Jesus, forgive me of my sins. Come into my life. Come into my heart. Come into my home. I believe that you're the Son of God. I confess you as Lord. Be my Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. One more time. Would we do that? Can we thank the Lord for that? Now, I want every godly person that can to come in this altar if you have time today and lay hands on somebody and pray with somebody. If God's brought you through, then I promise he's brought you through to help somebody else get through today. In Jesus' name, meet us here in this altar. Thank you for being here. God bless our graduates in this moment that you're in. Don't forsake it as common. But recognize it's sacred. Jesus' name. My God, my Savior has ransomed me.